Our first reading for this afternoon is from the 12th chapter of 2 Samuel. The Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. O Lord, have mercy on us. Our second reading is from the second chapter of First Peter. This is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Our third reading is from the first chapter of John. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. 
Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I am fascinated by this one sentence from our reading today in 1 Peter. Peter wrote and said this, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile back. To revile basically means to criticize in an abusive manner or to insult someone in an angry way. There were a lot of times Jesus was criticized and insulted in an angry way. One time Jesus freed a man who had been possessed by a demon. And the people were amazed and wondered if Jesus is the son of David. Is he the Christ? And then the Pharisees reviled Jesus. They insulted him and said, It is by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he casts out demons. The Pharisees were basically telling everyone, don't look at Jesus. What he's doing is a trick because he himself is actually possessed by a demon. So don't do a thing or follow a thing and listen to what he says. So when that happened to Jesus, how did he react? Did Jesus Walk up to those Pharisees, get in their face, six inches away, nose to nose. And then did Jesus say to them, I dare you to say that again. Is that what Jesus did? No. I'm fascinated by that sentence from Peter. Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. On the night Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went through a lot. The guards arrested him, tied his hands behind his back tightly, and those ropes would have dug into his wrists. The rope would have cut his wrists and made his hands feel numb. Did Jesus ever say to those guards, You don't know who you're messing with. You better loosen those cords or else. And then Jesus was taken into Pilate's courtyard and he was questioned. One of those guards even slapped Jesus across the face. When that happened, did Jesus' face turn bright red and then did he say to that guard, Oh boy, are you going to be sorry for doing that? As soon as I get out of these ropes, I'm going to beat your face into a pulp. Is that what Jesus said? I'm fascinated by that sentence. 
Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When Jesus was crucified, the Roman guards hammered nails into his wrists. They drove a nail through his feet. They pressed a crown of thorns into his skull. From the cross did Jesus shout out, I will give you the count of three to take this crown off, pull these nails out, and get me off this cross, or I will wipe you out and your families and your children. I will obliterate you. Is that what Jesus said? None of that is how Jesus responded. None of that is how Jesus acted. So how about us? When we're wronged, how do we act? If someone reviles us, insults us to our face or behind our back, what is our natural urge? Natural meaning from our sinful nature. Our natural urge is to get back, to hurt that other person more than they hurt us. We can be so cruel nowadays. We sinful humans have always been cruel with each other. But it's a bit different now. There's so many different ways we can hurt each other. And sometimes it's like we almost enjoy hurting other people. It doesn't matter if we're face-to-face or online. Or even in the privacy of our home, shouting out at the television screen or on our phone to someone we don't like. We can almost get this glimmer in our eye as we say the most vile things about other people made in the image of God. Is that how we're to live as Christians? Is that how we're to act as Christians? Is that how Christ acted toward you? Absolutely not. There's a bit more to what Peter wrote today. Jesus never sinned by insulting others or by physically lashing out at others. But Jesus had a very good reason for not doing that. And that reason was you. Because Jesus wanted to show you how you can live as followers of him in this world. You can follow the example he laid before us. This is what Peter wrote today in his his letter. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him, his heavenly father, 
who judges justly. You've been called to follow Christ. And that means being like Christ. Not only in action, but also in your minds, in your hearts. And that is even trickier than to keep the outside stuff, like not punching back and not insulting back. More than mere externals, these are matters of the heart. Christ wants you to follow him in mind and heart so that we would never even long to be avenged physically or with our words. Jesus wants you to follow him even to that cross. I'm fascinated by that sentence from 1 Peter. And you know what fascinates me most? Peter gave a reason why Jesus did not revile and why Jesus did not threaten. Peter wrote this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Jesus trusted his heavenly father in all things. He had faith in God the father to care for him. Even when he was insulted. And even when he was threatened. And you can too. This is a matter of faith. You don't have to insult someone back who insults you. You can entrust that to your heavenly father who knows what you did and is so pleased you mirrored his son by being gracious to someone who may not have deserved your grace. Just like how Christ treated you. This is all a matter of faith. You don't have to fight back when someone hurts you and hurt them worse. You can entrust that to your heavenly father who knows what you did and is so pleased you chose to mirror his son by being gracious to someone who may not have deserved to be gracious to. After all, that is what Jesus has done for you. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.